just wanted to really talk a little bit more about God's kingdom of grace today. Um, just to maybe get an understanding, I just felt like God was just pressing on my heart to just um, just go through a couple of points. So because it's been so full, I'll, I'll see what, what we'll be leading to. We'll try not to make it too long. Um, but grace is, uh, for those of us who aren't Christians who, who maybe don't know God, there's a word in the Bible called grace that we Christians quite often talk about and you might have heard it in the song Amazing Grace and things like that. And really grace is a pretty powerful word. Grace in the Bible is used in many different ways. It's not just like as Christians we think grace is where God gives us forgiveness for our sin, which is true, but grace is also an empowering word. So whatever we lack, basically grace makes up for Whatever we lack in life, God's grace, when it's poured out to us, makes up for our weakness. So quite often we feel that we just can't do stuff. We can't be this person that God wants us to be. But grace isn't just a word that forgave us of our sins and made us right with God. Grace actually empowers us to live a godly life. And, and what I wanted to do is to try and point out how that actually works this morning. Okay, so... Grace is quite often translated as unmerited favour um, by people, which means that we did nothing to deserve it. Okay, It's a favour that God gives us that we didn't deserve. All right? So when we think about grace, quite often, um, I don't know, if, you, if you've been a Christian long enough, you'll hear this term, law. We talk about grace and law. Um, if you're not a Christian today, what that really means is God's love and his, his favour on our life and living our life under his power and control compared to living a life full of rules and regulations. That's really what it means. So when we say grace, it's, it's like God's unmerited favour. We didn't do anything to deserve it, but for some reason God decided to send his son Jesus Christ and free us from the power of sin so that we can live for him and to restore the relationship that was his dream, which is what the Easter message is going to be about, God's dream, um, next week. And we've got to sort of first wonder what on earth was the law all about because there's some things that about what we call right and wrong that we might need to understand first of all before we um, go on to talk about what grace is. Has anyone ever seen a sign that says, don't walk on the grass anywhere? Yeah? All right, why is it wrong to walk on the grass? Just for show. No one really knows why, right? People do know why, obviously. I think I know why. <laughs> but you see a sign that says, keep off the grass, okay? So one day maybe you've been through a park, you know, a million times and off you go, or maybe it's a beach, you're walking along and it's fine, no problem at all. Nothing wrong with it at all. But all of a sudden there's a sign put there that says, keep off the grass. And if you go on the grass, there's going to be a fine. Okay, I want you to just, it's going to be a little bit mind-bending today, maybe. I don't know, but I'm hoping it'll be clear. But actually, walking on the grass isn't wrong, is it? Is walking on the grass wrong? Does anyone do that (laughs) here? A lot of people do it. But as soon as that sign pops up and there's a fine all of a sudden it becomes wrong. You see, driving at 150 kilometres an hour along the road out there is not wrong 
until there's a sign that says you can only go 80. And there's a law that says if you exceed that speed limit, we're going to fine you. So what happens is we know that and we don't do it because we're afraid of punishment. But what is the reason for that law? And this is where we start to struggle with grace and the law. You see, the Bible actually says, and and a lot of this stuff is in Romans, um, we'll look at a few of those verses, but if you start looking at uh, Romans, if you wanted during the week, just read from about chapter 5 through to about 9 or so. This is where most of the stuff this morning I'm getting is in. It talks a lot about this law and grace and, and what it really is. Okay, so what the law is about or rules and regulations are about to show us what's wrong. Okay, but why is it wrong to go 150 kilometres an hour down the road? Because actually it's not really wrong. What's the reason behind that? Okay, what's the reason behind that law? Well, obviously it's so that we don't kill people. What's the reason we're not allowed to walk on the grass? Probably because it's going to kill it. They want to rehabilitate it. So if too many people are walking on it, then it's going to die. So walking on the grass is not wrong. Is that right? But if you walk on the grass, it will die, which causes a bad effect. Driving at 150 kilometres out down that road is not wrong. But if I do it, it might cause death. And there's a punishment because the law is now there. Now, in Romans 5 verse 20, this is just to point that out, God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So at the start of that, it's saying this, that the law actually is there to show us how sinful we are. Okay. Rules and regulations. However, grace, this word we're talking about, gives us the power to be saved from this. Who knows that um, when you look in a mirror, you can see things in your face, right? Everyone knows that. For example, Bruce would have gone to the mirror this morning and looked in and see his beard. Okay, so the mirror is like the law, the rules and regulations that you could look at and it shows Bruce that his beard needs trimming. Okay, (laughs) but he did it. (laughs) But sometimes what we seem to do is think that God's rules and regulations, his law, what's in the word of God, the mirror which shows us what's right and wrong, is what we need to use to actually shave ourselves with. So Bruce doesn't get the mirror off the wall and start to shave, does he, with the mirror? The mirror is only used to show him what is wrong. If I look in the mirror, I'll look and I'll say, I've got a bit of a scratch here. It shows me what's wrong, but it actually is not meant to heal me. Why is this important? Because Christians and people in the world we'll quite often think that our Christianity is all about the rules and regulations of God, right? I'm going to look at this a little bit further as we go along. It's, it's, 
seems to be quite difficult here. But all that the Bible does, those rules and regulations, why they were put into place was to show us how sinful we were. In other words, I didn't know I was doing wrong until I was told I was doing wrong. Is that right? So as a kid, I might have touched the TV button and kept mucking around with it and turning it off in front of everyone. Mum and Dad said, don't do that. That's not right. It's wrong. It's not like a big law to keep. There's not a corporal punishment for it. But all of a sudden, as a child, and you've seen this in children, because what the Bible says is that when the law is given, it actually gives place to sin. Sin becomes aroused. Think about it yourself. When you know you're not meant to do something, what's your first inclination? To do it, right? For some reason you're like, oh, what do you mean I'm not allowed to do it? I'm going to do that. It's like there's something aroused in you. And it's the same with the kids. You'll see them. It's like you're not allowed to touch that TV. So where do they go? To the TV to touch it. It's the same with God's word sometimes with us. It's like it's there to show us how we cannot be who God wants us to be. And why we need to get this across is because Christians will struggle in their life until they fully understand grace. So many Christians are thinking in their head, this is all about my obedience to a written rule or regulation. But a Christian who is born again receives the Spirit of God and suddenly their life can be transformed from one of legalism, of doing right and wrong, to one of freedom to actually do right. Because before we were Christians, we were sinners. We were under sin. It was our master. In other words, that's just what I do. My life is everything about doing wrong, really. We'd like to do right sometimes. But if you really look at the heart of the matter, every human being seems to have a selfishness, bad desires, the desire to do wrong, to please themselves with their flesh and and just do whatever pleases them, okay? And what can happen quite often is people who get saved, and it's important to understand this because it reflects deeply on how we look at those that are far from God today. Often those who are saved suddenly come to God, they think, wow, this free gift of salvation is amazing, the grace of forgiveness has come, And I feel so free, quite often they will click back into this way of thinking that is, now I have to do the right thing. Not out of a spirit-led heart, but suddenly into this obligation of right and wrong. Okay. Think back to the garden as... as, um, Isaac was talking about this morning. What was the choice that was made back then with Adam and Eve? The choice was disobedience to God and obedience to Satan. We've talked about that before. But what was it that was so devastating about that? How were Adam and Eve living back then? It was relationship-based, right? Isaac again alluded to the to that this morning, that that God came down and walked with them in the garden. He gave them everything they needed. It was was all about friendship, okay? 
all about friendship, all about relationship. And it was broken on that day because man had disobeyed God but obeyed Satan. It wasn't about that so much, but it was this relationship that was broken. They had this relationship with God where they could talk with him and and they knew who God was. And what is the result of good relationship? It's doing things that please the one that you're in relationship with. Is that right? If your relationships are running right and if you understand it, if you're a husband, in the relationship it's about pleasing your wife. Wife, it's about pleasing your husband. Kids, it's about pleasing your parents. Because of that relationship, your obedience to them is not because you have to, but because you know your parents love you and they care deeply about you and you understand that. So there was a choice actually made to destroy the relationship that they had. When they actually ate that fruit, the choice wasn't just to do wrong. The choice was to actually break relationship. Is actually to destroy and put a wedge between God and man. So where man was sitting inside the love of God to the perfect extent, the choice they made was deliberate, it was knowing, and it was devastating. Because suddenly they lost the relationship that they had with God. Romans 5, verse 9 and 10. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we're still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. Can you see what that's saying? When we start to talk about relationship, what is the whole purpose of Jesus Christ's death? To bring us back into friendship with God. This is really important to understand when we're thinking about grace because honestly we couldn't do anything about it except this one thing. Just as Adam and Eve made that choice to destroy the relationship, when you come to God and say, God, I need you, I want to restore that relationship, we are making a deliberate choice to turn our back on sin, to turn our back on the life that we had and say, God, I am now choosing relationship with you. Adam and Eve walked out of and we walk into relationship with God. Adam and Eve broke out of that covenant Jesus restored the covenant. We are now returned to relationship or friendship with God. Think about that. Each and every one of you, when you said yes to God, has said yes to relationship. That is important because necessarily at that point you realise and you understand you cannot do anything to deserve God's love, You cannot do anything to deserve his favour. You cannot do anything to deserve friendship with him. Yet, at that point of salvation, you said, yes, God, 
I'm entering back into relationship with you. The only way we can do that, as this says here in Romans, is through Jesus Christ. The death of his son restores relationship. But listen to this. Our sin can be forgiven, but we can certainly not enter into that new life that he's promised us. When we look back on on the old covenant that God had with Israel, it was the death of animals, the blood covered sin for a while. Guess how many of those animals came back to life? Zero. They were dead, they were burnt, they they were gone. And so while the grace was there with God at that time to cover the sin of those people, there was no grace really for new life. But guess who rose again from the dead? Jesus Christ rose from the dead and the Bible says that we rose with him. In other words, it's not just the death of sin, but it's this rising to new life and that is grace. The grace that God gives us is to live a life totally empowered by the Holy Spirit in which obedience is not a choice, it's a consequence of relationship. And if you struggle with right or wrong, You are not living in the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is about right and good. Right and good. It's not about right and wrong. We are now living in a place where the curse has been reversed and Jesus Christ became the curse for us so the blessing of Abraham could come upon us. And Romans 6.10, we'll just look at that just to show that. Romans 6.10. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. Okay, look at that. When Jesus died, that broke the power of sin over your life. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you should also consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ. Do you understand you're alive to God through Jesus Christ, that there's been a change inside of you, that life has come in? And the difference now is that before you were redeemed by Jesus Christ, you did not have a choice. You couldn't live for God. And it was about rules and regulations. And even those who come to Christ, they're sometimes dead, but they're in Christ. Because they're saying, I'm going back to these rules and regulations. It feels so comfortable. I know it's right. I know it's wrong. And the sad thing is this, that the law, when it came... As we said, it just showed us how bad we were. It showed us how many times we fall short of what God has for us. And so the more I try to live up to it, the worse it is because I realise how bad I am. I'm like, you know, I was meant to do this, God, and I failed, and and your law says this, and, and so I'm just miserable. And then we try to do something else and we're like, oh God, I missed it again. And we start to get this picture of ourselves as defeated, as, as useless, as hopeless. And this is how sin begins to bind us. 
You see, there's nothing wrong with the law. It's good. It's great. It's what God really wants. But the only problem is the more we try to live up to that law, the more it actually tangles us up and it restricts us because we just see how bad we are. I don't live for you, God. And I've missed it again, God. And, and how could you even love me? And then comes grace. Truth and grace in Jesus Christ. You see, grace actually empowers you and gives you a choice. And now there is no obligation for you to follow the path of sin. If I can get this understanding that the relationship that I have with God actually is empowered by grace, I will just start to live for him naturally. And this is what I really want to get across this morning, if anything. You cannot live for God while trying to follow rules and regulations. You'll just fail every time. But if you throw yourself on the mercy and the love of God, Understanding that Jesus Christ is now my righteousness. It's not about me, it's about him. And Jesus never sinned. And God sees me through the Son. I've been invited as a friend of God through his Son. Suddenly it's like an awakening happens in my soul. And because I see of the goodness of God, I'm so grateful and thankful. And I say, God, thank you. And a heart of thankfulness leads to obedience because I turn my back on my old life understanding that there's nothing I could do that could bring me close to God. And what God wants you to do is open up that grace, that empowerment that, it, that comes from Him because you're not going to struggle in grace, because you understand fully that it's nothing about you. So when you mess up, it's back to Jesus. Jesus, I thank you that your blood covers all my sins. Thank you, Jesus, that you've forgiven me of everything. Thank you, God, that you see me holy. Grace, restoration of friendship. Think about that. What did Adam and Eve do? They broke it. What did Jesus do? He restored it. Friends with God. Friends with God. Friends with God. And this is how grace works. I want you to think about this. Because the law just stops at a certain point. Rules and regulations, right? I'll just show you how it works. Because this is what God wants to do in your life. If you get that relationship with him right, everything else follows. Okay? 
What's the Bible say? Seek first what? The kingdom of God. And all his righteousness and everything else will be added unto you. You see, when we obey God's rules and regulations, his laws, his advice, whatever, it brings us life, okay? So you look at our marriages, our kids, when we actually do what God says. It's, it, honestly, it's so simple and it's not funny. The Bible says keep yourself pure and unspotted from the world. Do that, there'll be a blessing. The Bible says to discipline your children when they do wrong. Don't despair for their crying. You do that, there's a blessing. The Bible says do your best to live at peace with everyone. You do that, there's a blessing. The Bible says to pray for all people. You do that, there's a blessing. The Bible says to follow your spirit, not the flesh. If you do that, there's a blessing. The Bible says, husbands, love your wives and give yourself for it. In that, there's a blessing. The Bible says, wives, submit to your husbands. There's a blessing. The Bible says, submit to one another. Do that, there's a blessing. It's really not hard. The hardness is understanding that it's not about me doing right or wrong, but it's about me having a relationship with God. Isn't that the hard bit? Because we love to be secure in right and wrong, but right and wrong does not actually promote life. Grace, when you understand it, that relationship with God giving you a power to live this life will propel you far beyond that. How does it work? The law says, do not commit adultery. That's it. Do you know what? I can live miserably with my wife I can be mean to her, I can ignore her, I can, you know, do all sorts of things and not commit adultery. So in doing that, I've obeyed what the rule said, don't do it. But that's not really what God's trying to say. (coughs) And Jesus comes along and he starts talking in a different way, and he says this, you know what, this is what the law says, don't commit adultery. But I say, if you even look upon another woman and lust after her with your heart, you've committed adultery. Wow. Doesn't that take the law to a whole different level? And in fact, that's even just impossible. You know, the law says don't murder. Well, I can do that. I can not kill someone. Jesus says, that's what it says. But I'm telling you right now, if you hate your brother, you've as good as killed him. How can that be so? Because you see, when you start to walk in grace, it's not about right and wrong, like I said. (coughs) Excuse me. It's about right and good. When you connect with God, you think about this. The connection is this. He did not spare his own son. And if that heart starts to come in us, guess what happens? A life of obedience just flows out of that. Suddenly it's not a struggle because we're not thinking right and wrong. We're, We're understanding that relationship with God. And we love him and we understand the love he has for us. 
And so going back to not walking on the grass, I would say, you know what? I can't walk on that grass because if it's dead, it's not going to be any good. You know what? We don't even need a law to say don't drive 150 kilometres now down the road because I now love people and I just won't do that because I know it's going to bring them harm. That's why Jesus said, I'm going to sum up the whole law with this, love God and love others. Who could go wrong with that? (coughs) Who could go wrong with that? Grace takes us beyond the level of obedience to true life where we are doing far more than we could ever think because God is living inside of us and his heart comes to us. His heart actually comes to us, loving God and loving others because in in that, the Bible says, every law is fulfilled. For example... The law says don't steal, but if I love my neighbour, I'm not going to steal. You see the difference in, the, in what's happening here? One, I don't do because I'm not allowed to. The other, in fact, I don't steal, I give. Because God compels me, the relationship that grabs hold of me, lifts me to a higher standard. And anybody here today who struggles with this, struggles with that understanding of grace that, hey, my sin is forgiven, nothing to do with me, but then struggles with the grace to live, this is what it's all about. Do you really love God? Have you decided that you are going to build that relationship by reading his word, by fellowshipping with other Christians, by praising him, by loving on him? Because I can tell you right now that that will reduce the struggle in your life by allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Why do you think God said he wrote the law in our hearts? Because the Holy Spirit lives there. We know if we are fellowshipping with God, we hear his voice clearly. And he moves us beyond this life of obedience to a life of, I don't know what it is actually. What's beyond obedience? I, I honestly don't know what it is. Where it's not just about doing the bare minimum, to fulfill a requirement, but it's about letting God rule every thought, every word, every action, every relationship that we have. Does anyone know a word for that? I sure don't. But I can tell you this, I know for a fact, the strength of my relationship with God propels me to a life of godliness. And when we start to think it's about rules and regulations, we just draw back from God. And isn't it funny how he says, why don't you enter into that throne room of grace to receive help in the time of need? The very time that we need God, we tend to draw back. Grace is given so we can live. If grace was only the forgiveness of sins, why would he invite us in for help? for strength in the time that we need it. Why would he do that? Are you struggling to live a godly life amongst your peers? Get to know God better. Because if you don't, 
your struggle for the rest of your life. Get to know God better. That's the key. Because what was broken in the Garden of Eden was restored in Jesus Christ. And we need to make that deliberate decision today. Yes, God, I'm going to pursue you with all my heart. You want things to turn around in your life, and I've said it before. There's no use praying about anything if you are not going to change stuff in your life. It's like, God, help me get a job. Can you pray for me to get a job? Are you going to put in any resumes? No, I'm just hoping it'll drop on my lap one day. Are you going out seeking work? Are you the best employee that you can be? No, I'm not. But you know what? I just want God to do something. That's not grace. That's not going to help you. Trouble with marriages, whatever it is, it's not going to help you. I can pray till the cows come home. Nothing will change. But if you say, Neil, pray for me that I can seek God with all my heart and I can seek after him because I want my marriage to change, guess what? It'll change, especially if the two do it together because then it's all about God working in your life, you seeking him, and that is where the true change comes. Pray that prayer. Seek God and you will see everything change in your life. I've got no doubt about that. Okay. Because what happens is as you let the Spirit start to control you, the Bible says in Romans 8, verse 5 and 6, that it leads to a life of peace. A life of peace. And the thing is, it has to be understood by a spirit. We'll look at that a little bit later in another message, but we can't see it by a natural eye. It's where God opens things up to us and the only way to do that is to submit yourself into his hand. Are things going wrong? Could it be that you're not seeking God. I don't mean asking and pleading for help. I mean seeking God himself. Knowing that the wall's down now, that he said you've got access through my son. The choice is absolutely yours. Nobody else can make it for you. But I'll guarantee if you seek God with all your heart, you will find him. I guarantee that if you seek his kingdom first, Everything else in your life will come to you, everything that you need. 